Welcome everyone back to the broadcast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and I'm coming to you. Yes, dear listeners, I'm coming to you after a UCLA win over Stanford. So not only a UCLA win here in um, the Chip Kelly era, which is, look, a rare treasure to be prized, but a win over Stanford. Uh, it's the first in 10 years, the first in the last, well, they lost 11 straight, so lucky number 12. Um, and so that's obviously great news. I think there have been some long-suffering fans out there. I mean, I, I know I still have um, nightmares of Kevin Hogan going superhuman against UCLA for so many years. Um, so seeing this uh, was obviously cathartic, I think, in some ways. Um, it was 34-16 really wasn't that close. That was, you know, some tomfoolery that made that kind of the case, but Stanford really was non-competitive in this game, which it was, I mean, it was a bizarre game. Um, and honestly, not very interesting game, but it was, it was really a strange flow to this thing. Um, but from basically the jump, like after you saw Jack West throw his like third ball, I mean, if you were if you weren't operating in pure like curse mechanics, this this would have been a hard game for UCLA to lose because um, there was just nothing that Stanford could really do effectively offensively. Um, all right, so um, for UCLA, this was so. Here's my general take on this game, and obviously things might change when I watch it again. Um, I'm having a hard time taking too much from it defensively, and I know there there was some like a lot of good stuff. I mean, they had, I think it was five first half sacks. Um, you know, certain guys certainly showed up really well. I thought Keyshawn Lucer South looked great. I thought Osa Digizua looked great. Odua Isabor had some nice plays. Um, just a variety of guys showed out well, but I'm having a hard time taking a lot from it because Stanford was so obviously just completely limited at quarterback um, that perform. And I don't want to beat him up about it because whatever, it's his first time playing really. But um, th- that was one of the worst. I mean, it, the stat line really doesn't demonstrate it well enough because he ended up 15 of 32 for 143 yards. Um, I guess the rushing 11 carries for negative 23. Um Jack West, that was one of the worst quarterbacking performances I can remember. Um, no caveats, like no you know qualifications to that. It's one of the worst I can remember. He was so bad, um, incapable of hitting any kind of throw. I mean, he he dirted a swing past, I want to say, like a good five yards in front of the receiver in a completely open situation. Um, wasn't able to hit anything with any kind of velocity um until very very late in the game actually on the uh meaningless scoring drive for Stanford at the very end I thought he had like two or three nice balls um but he was he was horrible in this game and it just gave Stanford absolutely no chance um and UCLA got that got everything scouted out pretty quickly um pretty early on basically after that first Stanford drive they were like oh, okay we're just going to press you know there's going to be eight guys in the box on every play we're going to press him on any passing play. There's just going to be a ton of guys in his face and he's not going to be able to do anything. Um, and he wasn't. And the run game for Stanford was ineffective. 
um, at best. Um, they've got, and this is something I've been talking about all year with Stanford, but they've got some limited runners. I mean, Cameron Scarlett, he's, he, he has, there's no jets there. I mean, you saw it probably on the, the first couple of drives for Stanford, which were like, okay. Um, just can't bounce the run outside at all. Um, cannot, you know, take the edge off of even UCLA's slower linebackers. So in retrospect, it was kind of probably a little bit overcorrecting um, to pick UCLA, to pick Stanford basically minus anything, regardless of what quarterback they're running out there. I really had no idea that Jack West was that bad. Um, so that was new information. And then, you know, obviously um, Stanford's offensive line was um, down a lot and they had three true freshmen starting, none of whom were like slated to start at the beginning of the year. So all of those caveats made it so like, cause what UCLA did, it wasn't like they played a ton better coverage. Um, like we didn't see like West trying to thread a ball in there and UCLA was just so tight. It was, he was horribly inaccurate and most of the time couldn't even get the ball off because he was just completely on his own head. Um, so maybe some of it was improved coverage, coverage, hard to tell. Um, but the way they were able to do it, where they basically just took advantage of an overmatched quarterback and an offensive line, I just don't know if it's replicable. So I'm not taking much from the defensive performance. You're free to, um, but I, I, on first watch, I didn't think, um, you know, oh, wow, they've completely changed everything. I thought it was more just the, the, the nature of the matchup. Now, on the other hand, um, offensively, they're not going to blow you away stat-wise. I mean, I think Dorian Thompson-Robinson was just just okay passing the ball. Um, you know, 34 attempts for 194 yards is not great and a uh, lack of explosive plays in the past game for sure. Um, but I, I watching this one live, I was like, wow, that offense, it's, it's moving it pretty well. Um, especially in the first half. I think the second half, they were just like fully content to just kind of take the air out of the ball. Um, but in the first half, I thought, they really moved the ball on the ground well. I thought Dorian Thompson-Robinson made some great decisions with his feet, um, just, you know, extending plays and showing off that dynamic athleticism that we know he has. Um, and he made some really nice throws in that first half, too. A lot of the connection with Kyle Phillips was, you know, clearly they're developing something, and Phillips is great. Um, but those two touchdown throws were both nice. Um, but I thought the offense made some more strides. I mean, it's not a... It's not a great Stanford defense, but it's not horrible either. It's pretty middling. Um, so, you know, this was one of the better performances for the UCLA offense this year. And I don't want to, I, I don't think we should discount it um, in the context of this game. I thought this was another, you know, for talking about the offenses showing incremental improvements over the course of the season, which is kind of what I've seen. I thought this was another step forward. Um, you know, Oregon State, they were fine. This one, I thought they were even a little bit better than that. Um, and if you take away the one big blip in the radar, which is the Washington State, like, 20 minutes or whatever, um, it's been incremental improvement over the course of the year with that one huge spike. Um, and this was a continuation of that. So that, from a narrative standpoint, when you're looking at the entire season, that makes sense. Um, and it, it, you know, it looks right. And Joshua Kelly had by far his best game of the year, um, really got right against the Stanford defense and maybe, you know, obviously a 13 day, well, what was it? 11 days off, 12 days off, um, between games. Um, 
that might have set him right a little bit. Um, but yeah, I thought all of that was really good. Um, and it really, it should have been a, a it should have been a pure blowout. Um, like even if UCLA didn't score more than 34, it was 34-10 and the 10 included a punt return, a punt block into the end zone touchdown. So I don't know. I mean, this, this easily could have been a 31 point, 31 plus point loss. Words are hard, guys. It's after midnight for me, so just keep that in mind. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was obviously a nice win. Um, they did exactly what they needed to do against a team that was clearly overmatched. And think about what a hell of a thing that is to say. Um, UCLA uh, was able to take advantage of a very overmatched Stanford team. Maybe things are starting to get right in the world. No, no, I don't mean UCLA suddenly being good. But maybe Stanford can finally return to being terrible. That wouldn't be so bad. I'd be okay with that. If Stanford wants to go back to being like a Walt Harris type squad, that's fine. That's totally cool. Um, so maybe maybe that's in the offing here. Um, all right. So uh, since I do this every time we do this, um, let's reset things a little bit. Um, as of three weeks ago, I was counting this as a possible win, and as of preseason, I was counting it as a possible win, but I kind of took it off the uh, possible wins um, slate after Oregon State, um, but that was more or less anticipating Davis Mills would play, but nonetheless, so two and five now, um, it still doesn't, so Arizona State has looked better and better over the course of the year. They've clearly made their own incremental improvements game over game over game. They figured out their offensive line issues. I'm having a hard time seeing that one. Um, Colorado at home is definitely a winnable game. Uh, Colorado's mm, not as bad as the Stanford team we all just saw um, with Jack West at quarterback, at least. Um, oh, and that's another thing. Stanford's going to look a whole lot better once Davis Mills gets in there. Um they looked a whole lot better against Washington. So this was really the right time to catch them. Um, and then Colorado, um, they've been bad. Steven Montez looks nothing like the quarterback. Anybody remembers seeing uh, a couple years ago, he's looking really tentative. I don't know if it's the new offense or what, um, but that's a winnable game for UCLA, um, especially if the offense continues to make incremental improvements. And then Cal at the end of the year is still winnable. Um, I don't think Utah's... I mean, it's, look, any game is winnable, but I don't think Utah is a reasonably winnable game. And I'm having a hard time just imagining this defense against USC and its receivers. So those two games still strike me as pretty much done deal losses. ASU is not there, but, I mean, they're probably going to be at least touchdown home dogs. Um, but Colorado and Cal, I mean, those are both winnable games. I mean, four and eight, you could squint and see it pretty easily. Um, it's, uh, you know, and I think the absolute max level is five and seven, but that would require them beating ASU and then beating Colorado and beating Cal and doing all three would be kind of tough. Um, but uh, if you're looking for positives, the incremental improvement for the offense over the seven games, I think is something to point to. Um, and if you're into it, I mean, if you if you loved that defensive performance, I'm not going to take it away from you. But um, it's a hard thing for me to say, oh, the defense went from giving up 48 to Oregon State and then 
it improved so much against Stanford. I, I think it was more the the offensive factors for Stanford necessarily than any def- defensive changes for UCLA. But we'll see. Um, as with many things, I could be wrong. And uh, next week against uh, ASU might um, prove prove that true. So anyway, uh, that's about it for me. I've got a right now, but um, wanted to get this up. So done deal. Stanford streak is over. We don't have to talk about that ever again. Stanford can hopefully go back to being like a max five and seven team most years. And that would, um, you know, start to set the universe right back on its axis. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. And I will talk to you again probably next week uh, in advance of the ASU game. Have a good night.